Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. And certainly want to welcome everyone back to the series. Uh, this is Jim Mitchell, and today we've got uh, a discussion which is going to, I think, focus on, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to it for a couple of reasons. It's going to focus on a specific element of uh, law here in Illinois, specifically a change in the Uniform Commercial Code. We'll talk a little bit about what that is. Uh, and I think it's uh, important because it's a, a timely conversation. Um, uh, changes that we'll be talking about today just became effective a couple of weeks ago. And uh, that means that uh, people are going to have to get themselves up to speed and, and get acquainted with it. And uh, specifically, as we go through the conversation, I think we're going to be highlighting areas of interest to uh, lenders uh, in, in the uh, banking and, and uh, commercial area. And um, for that, we always like to rely on one of our guests from Lavelle Law Limited today, Stephen Magal, is with us. Stephen is an attorney at Lavelle Law and does a lot of work in this particular area. He's talked to us about uh, UCC and, and other applicable laws in this area in the past. So I think we've got uh, ourselves lined up for a good and informative conversation. Steve, uh, very timely that we're doing this. I appreciate you taking uh, time out of your schedule today to be here. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Good morning. So, um, as I said in the beginning there, this is uh, some things that are kind of changing around us as we speak. Uh, there were some new enactments July 1st, and we'll get the specifics on those. But as we often like to do, let's kind of start at the top and work our way down. Um, for those who may not be well-informed but are trying to pick up some information, tell us a little bit, first of all, when we talk about the Uniform Commercial Code or UCC. Sure, it's a um, it's a series of statutes, uh, you know, collected as a code. Um, if anybody wants to look at it, it's uh, it's available online on the um, Illinois General Assembly's website. The site is a ten ILCS five slash, and then uh, continues from there. Uh, there's a variety of articles, you know, dealing with everything from sales to negotiable instruments, so things like checks to um, other matters. And today, what we're focusing on is uh, Article Nine. All right, and Article 9 in particular covers what type of activity? Article 9 governs secured transactions, so things such as um, bank loans. And here, Article 9 governs uh, loans where the collateral uh, supporting the loan is uh, personal property or uh, fixtures. Okay, so um, as we'll talk about the changes today, we'll find out a little bit where those uh, changes have taken place and, and how that would start to impact uh, I, I guess really our concern today is, is how it impacts people who are lenders who may need to start to uh, find out doing some different documentation and reporting here. So is that right? Yeah, the, the target audience for today's podcast is really, you know, lenders and banks, uh, people who are um, on the lending side of uh, the loan. Okay. Now, one of the items in here, and I, I think maybe we'll start here, is with regard to a a uh, UCC financing statement. Is that a sort of a basic staple of uh, these uh, lending agreements? Right. So what, what a UCC financing statement is, is, you know, typically there's a loan agreement or something which evidences, you know, the debt and also in which the uh, borrower would, would grant a security interest in, in property. So uh, what a UCC financing statement is, is a um, 
It's a filing. It's often done with the Illinois Secretary of State, which is one way a lender can then perfect that security interest which the borrower granted. Um, and and that also when you file it uh, as a, as a means of perfecting the security interest, it also serves to put the you know, basically the world on notice as to the lender's security interest. Okay. Now, is it that statement in particular, the financing statement, one of the items that uh, has has undergone some changes here in uh, July in Illinois? Uh, de- definitely, at least with respect to uh, the, the the naming rules that, uh, for for the debtor section of the uh, financing statement. Okay, and and this is important uh, as we mentioned in, in different uh, uh, loan situations in which uh, personal property is, is is used as collateral. Um, and I suppose there's different categories of, of debtors here. In in general, let's start at the top. You know, can you give us an overview of what some of the basic changes are that are taking place this month? Sure. Well, first of all, there's a new form of uh, the financing statement, um, and and that's going to be found on the Illinois Secretary of State's website. So, um, and that's going to be at cyberdriveillinois.com. Then you can navigate from there to um, access the UCC section and and the form itself. Um, yeah. And so now there's some new rules around. Um, how the debtor is named or represented, and, and you know, with legal documents, uh, you know, there always right. be a, you know a fair amount of accuracy. And and this uh, it sounds like to me, being an outside observer from what I've seen here, it sounds like it sort of brings a little clarity to the situation and makes things a little more uh, direct in terms of who's being named on these documents. Right, as the case law has developed under under these uh, rules, it's created sort some some uh, confusion. Um, for different categories of debtors. And so uh, these amendments, which were effective July 1st, really bring some much-needed clarity here. So uh, in particular, for example, uh, with respect to individual debtors, uh, what the amendments say is, uh, in the cases where we're dealing with Illinois residents, um, if the resident or if the debtor has um, uh, unexpired Illinois driver's license, then the lender can rely on the most recent such unexpired driver's license to get the uh, name correct to be used on the um, uh, financing statement. So you would list, you know, show the name to match that uh, particular driver's license. And so that, that's definitely much needed clarity. Yeah, and, and I don't want to, maybe I'm getting carried away in semantics here, but I just want to make sure I, I heard what you said and, and what we had uh, kind of looked at earlier. You, you said that the, uh, the lender can use the name on that license. Is it a can use or is it a now a must use? There has to be a direct match there. Oh, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's a must. So um, okay. the lender has to use the most recent, uh, the, the name as disclosed on the most recent unexpired license. It can't use you know, a name a name on a birth certificate or something like that. It's 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 a mandatory um rule. Okay. Um and as you mentioned, unexpired license, so the most most current license that someone has, that's that's what we reference now. Um right. All right, so that that's individuals. I know a lot of the lending that goes on in, in various um uh different situations, financing situations involve organizations if not more than individuals and are there changes there as well? Definitely. Um, the rules talk about registered organizations, and these are typically things like corporations and LLCs that uh, you know have a charter that uh, is, is filed with the um, 
or that's issued by the Illinois Secretary of State, you know, things like Articles of Incorporation or Articles of Organization for LLCs. And so here what you want to do is um, the lender really should match the um, – have the financing statement name match the name uh, as disclosed on that um, that charter or what the UCC calls a public organic record, pretty much the same thing. Okay. Well, and can you give me a little more description of public organic record? Um, as a corporation, again, there's articles of corporation, there, but there may be annual filings, other reports. What what falls in that category of a public organic record? Yeah, what what, what the lender should re- really rely on is the articles of incorporation for corporations and, and any amendments to that, articles of uh, organization for LLCs, um, really things like good standing certificates, annual reports, um, don't qualify as, as as these public organic records, so you definitely want to get copies of, of, of those types of documents. And anybody that might uh, have a DBA that uh, wouldn't be utilized then as well? Correct, yeah, you, you would not want to file against the DBA. Okay. It would not be, um, the DBA certainly alone would not be a valid fi- uh, uh, filing against that particular debtor. Okay. Um, Stephen McGall is, is the guest today here on Chicago's Legal Latte. We're uh, getting a a good update on the recent changes to Article 9 of the Illinois Uniform Commercial Code. Uh, And and Stephen did provide, and we'll try and come back towards the end here and and get again from him uh, a couple of uh, websites where you can uh, get more information here and pick up this um, uh, newly changed financing statement. Um, We're kind of going through the information. Stephen uh, did recently publish a, a brief article on this, and the work he does and many of the other attorneys at Lavelle Law can often be found at uh, lavellelaw.com. Uh, you'll find a resources tab on their website and articles as well as past podcasts are there. So it's a great place to go back and get a little more information. Um, now, as we continue here, Stephen, the, one of the things that comes to mind for me again is uh, we've talked so many times on the podcast with you or your colleagues about um, individuals and families creating trusts um, or, or doing estate planning and developing estates. Um, we talked about individuals as debtors here. Does this new uh, uh, change to Article 9 incorporate anything regarding trusts and estates? Yeah, the uh, new debtor naming rules also impact uh, estates and trusts. For um, decedent estates in particular, uh, lenders should list the name of the decedent as the debtor in the financing statement. And for that, generally, the lender can rely on the uh, name listed in the court order appointing the uh, personal re- personal representative or the executor of, of the decedent. And then there's a, a box five on the financing statement that can be checked to indicate that um, the, um, uh, the estate's being administered by a, a personal, re- personal representative. Um, for trust, uh, kind of a similar type of situation. Uh, if the trust is not a registered organization, so it doesn't get its... Um, charter from like the Secretary of State or something, if it's just a um, trust that exists pursuant to a uh, trust agreement, then um, you know the lender would, would want to get a copy of that trust agreement. Um, and if the trust agreement gives the trust a name, then the lender would want to file against that name that's listed in the uh, trust agreement generally. And as we talk about these changes and uh, the implementation here in Illinois, um, as someone who I know you deal with uh, uh, loans and business agreements and such, uh, financing, um, if you are a lender now, are you sort of creating a new set of documents? Are you changing processes? I mean, what's the loan process look like going forward with these changes? I think that we're going to see, you know, coming down the pipe uh, with respect to changes in the loan documents, uh, some additional reps, warranties, covenants, 
um, concerning you know the, the documents that the lender is relying on, you know, whether it's driver's licenses or or uh, public organic records such as articles of incorporation, articles of organization, and just you know dealing with with respect to those documents and um, uh, reps and warranties, for example, saying that the um, the name listed in the loan agreement you know, matches the name listed in the license, and uh, you know, the, especially with respect to a license, the license will remain unexpired. That they'll keep the license, you know, current. That um, then the lenders will be informed of any changes or any um, you know dissolution of of the uh, corporation or, or things like that. So I think you know, uh, just with respect to the lender's ability generally to uh, rely on the documents that uh, the UCC says it has to rely on. And then, real quickly, uh, you know, we're, we're talking again. It sounds like a process that brings more clarity. Some statutes changes here that uh, um, you know allow for matching of names and, and individuals and corporations more clearly. But I'm sure that there are still situations in which um, uh, not everyone is above board. Um, my understanding that there's a new statute that involves you know misleading or, or fraudulent filings as well. Yeah, there's a new uh, fraudulent filing statute that, that will go a long way to um, help uh, you know remove some of these fraudulent filings. It can be found at um, Section 9-501.1 of the UCC. What it does, it, uh, it criminalizes uh, filing false records. If uh, a person who's filing knows or reasonably should know that it is not authorized or not related to a transaction, lien, or judgment, and is filed filed with, filed with the intent to harass or defraud the uh, debtor that's named, um, and it not just uh, imposes criminal penalties, but also civil liability as well. And then uh, there's some recourse for the debtor. The debtor can file an affidavit to have the fraudulent financing statement released, and the and the Secretary of State is um, then empowered to initiate administrative actions with respect with respect to such false records. So it definitely gives a uh, uh, some teeth to um, a debtor's ability to remove these um, uh, false statements. Okay. And then real quick before we let you go, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, where the new UCC financing statement can be found online. You want to share that address with us one more time? Sure. It's um, well, The full address can be found in the article that's uh, related to this podcast that, that, that it's on, on our website. But uh, if you get to uh, the Secretary of State's website at uh, cyberdriveillinois.com, all one word, D Y B E R D R I V E I L L I N O I S dot com. Then you'll be able to navigate to uh, the business services section and from within there uh, find the UCC uh, materials. Okay. Well, um, many thanks to Stephen McGowan for being here. As he referenced, LavelleLaw.com is the place to go to take a look at his article in greater detail, find out more information, and find more podcasts. We're out of time today. Thank you for being here, and we look forward to talking to you again on our next session. Thanks very much for being here. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.